Welcome to episode 12 of My Moving Minute, where we're welcoming our second guest, who's chosen his own Moving Minute. My co-host Mark and I will then quiz him on what the Moving Minute means to him. If you want to join in the movie chat, please do follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at My Movie Minute, and let us know your own meaningful moments from the movies you love. If you're new to the podcast, you're very welcome indeed. We would love you to go back and discover some of our other movie minutes, which include dinosaurs, chocolate factories, fast cars, and men jumping out of planes. But that's enough pre-waffle. Please do enjoy episode 12 and our second guest on My Movie Minute. What about you, bruh? What about me? Do you ever look at someone and wonder what is going on inside their head? Who are you? Are we enemies? Why am I on this wall? Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Mostly come at night. Mostly. Okay, listeners, welcome to episode 12, I believe, of my Movie Minute podcast. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark. Hello, everyone. Um, But also, as with last week, we have a third person here. And that third person is Rob, a.k.a. the Bowtie Balloon Guy. Hello, Rob. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on, Rob. That's right. Thank you for inviting me. So, Rob, I'd like to first of all talk to you about the fact that uh, we share a grandmother. We um, do. Yes, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> which makes us uh, cousins. <laughs> and obviously I'm the favourite cousin, so... Yes, well, uh, I believe that I am, but uh, that well... kind of argument has happened around the family table <laughs> in the past. Um, the reason I bring it up is, first of all, I want to say a quick hello to our 100-year-old grandmother, Flo who turned 100 in February, but it also, um, when we did our first episode on the Jurassic Park episode, you have a memory that I didn't have, but you reminded yep. me of about Jurassic Park and my, our experience watching it. Can you, can you share that quickly? Yeah. I, I was in Jersey when I first saw, uh, uh Jurassic Park staying at your house. Uh, and I remember, uh, going to the premiere in, in Jersey uh, which was amazing, and talking talking star, to you, star-studded premiere. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I, I remember talking to you for hours about it, and you hadn't seen it yet. So, um, so I think I think you saw it while I was there. <laughs> I probably had all the merchandise. Yeah, 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 indeed. So, so that was a nice memory actually that you shared after you listened to the first episode. But that's not why you're here, actually, Rob. You're here because actually you've done a project uh, that's not sort of massively dissimilar to this one in the sense that it's about kind of movie moments or movie scenes, but very, very different in terms of the kind of format. Um, and we are both, myself and Mark, very, very impressed with this project, which is called Twisted Cinema. It's superb. Um, can, you, can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so um, I, I, I'm a balloon man. I make balloons. And uh, I, I, every so often I set myself random challenges with balloons. And I decided, I think it was... In around 2015, I decided to every week make a balloon, a scene, a movie scene from balloons and post a picture on a blog somewhere. And uh, I ended up after a year with 52 different movies portrayed in balloons. So incredible. (laughs) Thank you. And we're going to share some links in our show notes and we're going to put them on Instagram. The ones that I particularly love, I mean, I love all of them. There's a couple that I think are brilliant. Because you put yourself in some of them as well, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. I'm in a few, yeah. Yeah, so I love... There's one uh, of the scene from uh, Gremlins that's set in the kitchen that you're kind of like... That was the first one I ever did, yeah. 
the legs sticking out of the um the blender and yeah that's right yeah uh there's some other lovely ones and you've done a jurassic park one there's a, a nice kind of recreation of the poster from jaws which is lovely that's right yeah yeah um i don't know if you had any particular favorites mark so yes i do have a favorite actually and uh we're talking to each other on video so i'm going to do the gesture as well but my favorite is uh the face of a young boy with his hands on his cheeks. <laughs> the Home Alone the Home Alone one, is, I think, is the one I like the most. Brilliant. Anyway, we'll, we'll share all this with, uh, with the um, listeners through links. Go and check it out. It is incredible. And it's not the only thing that you do. Obviously, you've got many, many, many balloon projects on the go, and you're an incredibly talented balloon artist. But um, we wanted to get somebody on here who's obviously done something similar, if, if a completely different format. Um, but of course, the main reason why you're on here is because you have chosen a movie minute um, that you would like to share with us. And in our regular format, that means you describing that movie minute using no character names, trying not to give away the sort of title of the film, or any sort of big bits of spoiler dialogue. And we're going to get the listeners to try and guess what your movie minute is. And I must say, it's an absolute corker again, um, as it was last week. So, Rob, I guess it's over to you for the description of your movie minute. A door is opened. On one side of the door stands a clean-shaven, long-haired man in a brown robe. On the other, a bearded man in a black, expensive clothing. The men glance at each other briefly. A bald man in green robes in the background pleads with them not to shed blood. The clean-shaven man jumps forward and slices the cheek of the bearded man with a dagger, causing him to scream. Slamming the door shut, the clean-shaven man looks around for a way to escape. Looking up, he sees a chandelier held by a rope. He grabs the rope, cuts it, causing the chandelier to fall while launching him up into the air and into a gap in a ceiling. The door opens and in enters four armoured guards and the bearded man. Looking up through the gap in the roof, the bearded man angrily shouts eight words, to which the clean-shaven man responds, Then it begins. The eight words angrily shouted are, I'm going to cut your heart out with a spoon. I mean, the line is iconic, and I think if anyone hasn't guessed it from that line, uh, Rob, just tell them what what film we're going to be talking about today. It is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. It's one of the one of the greatest lines in that film, and one of the most memorable in my own personal '90s movie watching. <laughs> this is this is a classic. It's um, from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, from 1991. And uh, Rob, perhaps you could tell us and, a, and a, the listeners kind of a little bit of context about where it sits in the film what's happened just before uh what's happened in the run-up to this moment absolutely so this is not that far into the film it's robin hood has arrived home from the third crusade and he arrives home to a 
a bit of a disaster of of a situation where his father's been killed and uh, he has no home. It is after he has uh, joined with his band of merry men and he makes a journey into Nottingham Castle to uh, meet up with Maid Marion and the the vicar. Uh, what is he? He's a um. He's a, a priest, isn't he? Is is he a bishop or an archbishop? I can't remember. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's he's symbolic of the, he's the of the rotundity of the clergy. Absolutely, yes. And uh, it's it's during a meeting with the the priest that this incident happens. So we've got yeah, we've got Robin. Robin has um, I think one of the bits that stood out for me is he kind of covers himself in horse crap, doesn't he, he does. before he goes in? I actually read about that, and that actually doesn't happen until the end of the film, weirdly. But I always imagined it happened at that point. But I watched it last night, and it doesn't happen until oh. the end. Oh my god, have I got that wrong as no, well? Is no. that not? Is that the second the second part of it when they go for the heist? I, I, I read about it, and what it was meant to happen at that point. However, they then switched the the horse dung scene towards the end where, where they rescue the the uh, people being executed yeah you can't have more than one horse dung scene in a movie that would be hollywood doesn't allow absolutely <laughs> i mean this is one of the one of this is one of the movies that has uh, come up before i think um it came up when i was talking about my childhood vhs collection um and it is a movie that i had considered as one of my movie minutes but i actually um would have potentially picked a different line of dialogue but it was of course always going to be an alan rickman bit of dialogue i was uh, i was going to pick the cancelling christmas Line. Wonderful, but actually, cut your heart out of the spoon is 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 much better. You've done a good job there, Rob. Yeah. Um, and Charlie may end up featuring in this, but what I wanted to ask is kind of when and where you were when you first met the sheriff of Nottingham when you first experienced this scene. So I I was eighteen at the time, and I remember actually, I no, I think I was seventeen. And I, I was at college and my local cinema used to do two pound Tuesdays. And on a Tuesday <laughs> evening, you could go to the cinema for two pound. And I used to head off there on my own and sit there and watch all these random films. And that was my first experience with the wonderful Sheriff of Nottingham. So you watched this when it was released. I don't know why I was surprised, mm. but I think it's because I assume everyone is a... 38 to 40 year old yeah. man on this podcast. Yeah, I was, I'm a bit older than you. <laughs> so one of the things that you must have had with it was just how huge this movie was at the time. Like I remember the soundtrack being number one in the charts for something like 20 weeks. It, it, it was such a huge build up and it was, it was the fact that the song was there being played everywhere all the time and the video you would always see in places and uh, you know with the scenes from the film and and yeah you know, with that little twirling down on the rope from yes. the treetops and then that, as that part scene of the on the arrow where the arrow goes shooting through the and ends up splitting the other arrow <laughs> which is just of a course. classic trailer of shot course. you know did you instantly did you instantly love it or did it feel as it does a little bit now kind of kind of cheesy for me or did it feel did it feel like an important movie i think it was my first real introduction to to alan rickman 
Um, I, oh, okay. I think that's what it was for me. And, and so that's why it's really important for me in the fact that, mm. I mean, it, it was a huge film for me. It was, it was massive. Um, and it still is quite huge. If it's on telly, I'll watch it. And yes, it's cheesy. Yeah. I don't care. You know, um, I, I think there are aspects of it that are cheesy, like, uh, the, the, the American actors. Yeah. They're American, you know, <laughs> but Christian, Christian Slater at his most British, yeah. which is not British at all. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the, the, the perfect, perfect man to play Sheriff of Nottingham. Mm. And there's nothing I would change about what he does, what he says it is the perfect role. And one of the things that I always find with his performance is that it's kind of weirdly out of sync with the rest of the film in the most delightful way because you talk about kind of cheesiness like he plays it like almost like a pantomime villain it's so the performance itself is over the top in all the best ways but everyone else in the film seems to be taking themselves way too seriously and what i love is that 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 crazy performance on top of a lot of people almost taking it almost too seriously and uh i I love that i don't know if you if you feel, feel the same way i read some amazing things the other day about the the role he was offered it twice and turned it down twice and he only took it when he, they agreed that he could do whatever he wanted with it and then he went away and he got ruby wax to help him write the script and you just think what a random random thing that is it's like very weird you know but perfect Phenomenal. One of the things that is that I associate massively with Alan Rickman is his ability to elevate the movie that he's in. And I think a lot of people have a, a massive amount of love for the science fiction film Galaxy Quest. And I think a part of that is Alan Rickman's ability to, even whilst being bonkers, demonstrate a level of commitment to character that makes everything feel super important in such a fun way. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. He, he, it doesn't matter what the role is. He's just, he just makes it such, you know, he's, he's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. So, so you describe this as the beginning of uh, a lifelong relationship with Alan Rickman and Alan Rickman-ness. Where did that take you? Well, I mean, I, I say it was the start of a relationship with him however i mean i i had experienced die hard and his his evilness in die hard is his he's a perfect bad guy mm. but my my issue with with hans gruber in die hard is the fact that mm. he's just a bad guy you hate him he's horrible he's mean mm. I, I think with with the bad guy in movies you, you have to have a sense of liking them it, it, I have a conversation with a friend of mine about James Bond villains and and he hates yes. Christopher Walken because he just can't stand the bloke. He's horrible. I quite like mm. the way Christopher Walken plays that part. Um, and it, I think for a bad guy to be a good bad guy, you've got to be able to like them as much as hate them. And, <laughs> and Hans Gruber, I hated full stop, but it wasn't until the, the, the Sheriff of Nottingham came along that I think that is his perfect moment of i love him as a bad guy and that 
Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And it's something that we've touched on in the pod before, uh, even to the point of possibly cheerleading for villains, but uh, we, which, <laughs> yeah. we've, which we've questioned the appropriateness of, haven't we, Charlie? <laughs> yeah, I, um, you wouldn't have heard this yet, Rob, because it was because uh, the recording schedule. But last week, our guest... Uh, I was actually thinking really hard about whether or not um, Hannibal Lecter was a hero or a villain <laughs> to the point that because 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 for, for, for the reason that and you'll, you can understand a bit when you when you hear hear last week's podcast, it, it there are so many things about the way that um, Anthony Hopkins plays Hannibal Lecter that make his his the best moments of the film, the best lines, the most interesting lines. And that's the comparison there is that the you know, the, the sheriff of Nottingham has all the funniest lines all the best lines of the film, all the, just the most genius scenes, they're all his. So I get exactly what you're saying about the best bad guys. You sort of enjoy spending time with them uh, yes. because although they're evil, they're mm. evil in such a way that it's so endearing or funny yeah. or brilliant. And he's the absolute kind of antithesis yeah. of that, really. Yeah. Although the show for Nottingham was the, 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 the role that I think he really discovered his, his badness, his good badness. Um, uh, the, <laughs> I, I always remember there was a film, which I didn't see till after uh, Sheriff Nottingham, uh, called Quigley Down Under, in which he plays mm. a, a, a villain in that. It's all based in Australia and stars Tom Selleck. And uh, I, I think that's where he discovered his his talent for being a bad guy yes he's done Hans Gruber but when this Quigley Down Under came up I think that's the moment he said yes I can do bad guys I found my my bad guy I'm going to lean in yes (laughs) and I think there's he's he's he and I'm not going to I don't know if this is the first time or worst time that I've compared someone to Nicolas Cage but there's a wildness to Alan Rickman, the actor, like the choices that he's making that come out in The Sheriff of Nottingham. I'm thinking particularly of that moment where he bursts in, well, he's, he makes brilliant noises. My favourite thing about the line that you've chosen is how few consonants he puts into it. So, <laughs> it comes from the back of his throat. Um, and he does a lot of... Through throughout in Alan Rickman way, but there's that moment where he bursts in on his witch on uh, Geraldine um, McEwen. Yeah. It's Geraldine McEwen, you know, another legend of of British stage, just kind of doing something bonkers for Hollywood, uh, and she's kind of he he's he's just sweeping stuff off of the a bloodied altar in order to try and consummate his marriage. <laughs> And it's like wild choices that fit in the Nicolas Cage canon of of, of loopy bad guys. Slash Will you allow guys. me one other slightly strange comparison? Please. Um, and it goes back to what I was saying about it being out of tone with everything else in the, in the film. There's some Daniel Day-Lewis from There Will Be Blood in there, in the sense that he, he's, he's kind of ramped his performance up so high to, mm. you know over 100 percent and it just shouldn't work like um performances like that should be over the top in the films they are but because everyone else again in there will be blood doesn't is 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 on on a completely different level it it works (laughs) when you've got this one over the top eccentric crazy character that's just out of odds with everyone else i also think that 
um, there's something about, and this speaks to Alan Rickman, the Shakespearean actor, and he, again, something he touches on in Galaxy Quest, is there is a groundedness to that impotence that he demonstrates, to that frustration or that uh, powerlessness that he forces out into these exclamations and proclamations of off with his head. Uh, there's You feel his struggle with his own weakness <laughs> in a way that like you can be as big as you want as long as it's locked in as long as it's you know properly grounded in something and it almost feels like he's you know he's done shakespearean work on it mm. in order to in order to allow us to buy this absolute lunatic absolutely yeah yeah there's something i want to ask of you rob because i have zero experience and i apologize in advance um this is for me, his most famous kind of villain, but for generations, uh, generations younger than me and older, he carved quite a path as the villain of the the most villainous teacher uh, that anybody knows. I know so little about Harry Potter that I can't really talk about it. But did did your love of him carry through to? Cerberus Snape. So yeah, I I owe my life to Harry Potter because uh, as an entertainer, when the first book came out, I based my performances all around wizardry, and this was just as the book was taking off, and I, I happened to yeah. manage to go with the flow. So Harry Potter has been a part of my life for about twenty five years, or however long it is. It's it's a huge part of my life, you know. Am I right in thinking that you even have a piece of paper that that says that you went to Hogwarts? Is that right? That you used to show to some of the kids <laughs> watching your shows? I, I used to have a like a like a, a little. Um, a card, I would say, a Ministry of Magic that I would show to people and say, oh yeah, look, I am. <laughs> I mean, I used to go to the to weird extents to, to, to yeah, I, I have a broomstick. Amazing. I, I have a collection of wands. It's very, very, very weird, but, <laughs> but you know. It's it, brilliant, it's it, brilliant. It's all part of the, um, of the whole visual for me in the fact that I'm taking these, these kids that I'm entertaining on a journey and I, I need to enforce that with little details, mm. which, which is important for me. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Alan Whitman, it, it, it was the perfect person to play Snape. And and what I love about him is, is that, yes, he, he's doing that whole that whole thing again where he's such a horrible person, but you, you just can't stop watching him. He's so brilliant to watch. He, he's lovely. To, to follow in in what he's doing and yet i mean i, I i'm hoping that this isn't a spoiler but in, in the end of it he, he's the most horrible villainous person and yet in actual fact he's the hero and for him to lead you down that that path of oh he's horrible, horrible but actually to come out and you end up loving him for 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 the journey he's taken you on because because of his final scenes it, it's just just such a wonderful <laughs> A wonderful thing. There's a thing he does in the last in the last episode, episode uh, eight, the the Deathly Hallows part two, where he is talking to his class or the school that that he's talking to the to like an assembly, and the way he delivers his lines, he, he says it's so slow. Any any normal actor, you just fall asleep because it, 
but he's just, he's he's the way he's talking is so slow. The gaps are about they feel like a minute long. The gaps between each word, <laughs> but you're just glued to to every word he's he's saying. It's so you're just so glued to him. It's it's incredible. He, he's one of these, and we've mentioned Robin Williams before. He's one of these uh, actors that you know. There's, there's a bit of sweetness now whenever you talk about him because obviously he's such a a great loss and these iconic um performances are just you know incredible and he is one of the um i was i i i think if i remember rightly i was someone who'd read the, the all the harry potter books and then saw all the movies so i did it i managed to do it in in that order and he's and there were kind of jarring bits of casting i think in the films that people myself included didn't necessarily agree with but now i can't think of snape as anyone other than Alan Rickman in the same way that I can't actually think of the Sheriff of Nottingham as anyone other than Alan Rickman yeah. when I when I think about Robin Hood anyway. He he totally owned those roles. And I think many people would agree that his most villainous role was that bloke from Love Actually who oh. cheated on Emma Thompson. <laughs> you see, even in that, he's the villain and yet you you go you you love him. I mean it's he is the villain of Love Actually. No. No. <laughs> I love Emma Thompson. I wanted to marry Emma Thompson when I was younger. That actually, my my uh, dream job, I didn't realise this until I was doing this with a class where we were talking about what you wanted to be when you grow up. I wanted to be Kenneth Branagh. Not do what Kenneth Branagh did, but I wanted <laughs> Kenneth Branagh's life. Is he in Harry Potter? Yes, he is. Uh, is it number two or three? I can't remember. He plays one of the lecturers. I have seen about 20 minutes of the blue Harry Potter film, which I believe is number three, and I've never read a book. So I apologise to all film watchers, film listeners, and you personally, Rob. I think we need to sack you from this podcast, Mark, even though you're <laughs> one of the key, key well, components. I could go away and watch all five Tremors, and that would qualify me. You, you, would, be, you would be right for that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to put you to the test, Rob, uh, because ever since I watched this film, I have been working on a Michael Wincott impression. Michael Wincott played Guy of Gisborne. Uh, so if I throw my best Guy of Gisborne at you, do you think you could follow it up with the sheriff's line? I can give it a go. If I, if I were to ask you, why a spoon, cousin? Because it'll blunt you, twit. It'll hurt more. <laughs> oh, I have no idea whether the audio of that will come out, but I love it. Oh, that was brilliant. <laughs> That's just that, that, as a follow-up line to the to the cut your heart out with a spoon. It's just such a line. Yeah. And and also, what amazes me is they were both ad libbed. Really amazing. Which is just phenomenal. I'd like he's a weird actor and and very much a quote unquote that guy Michael Wincott you look you look at him and he's in a bunch of films here oh that guy but as as Guy of Gisborne apart from being odious like from moment one when you meet him you despise him his ability to be clueless in that moment as a foil to Alan Rickman is absolute gold it's wonderful, wonderful. Well, I guess uh, one of the things I do want to tell listeners is that you've been really uh, kind in sending us, uh, now that we've revealed the movie and the movie moment, you've also sent us a, uh, in the style of your twisted cinema, you have sent us a, a balloon image of uh, 
a heart being cut out with a spoon with the wonderful <laughs> quote on it. Um, so uh, we will also put that on Instagram um, a couple of days after this podcast is out. So it's not too much of a spoiler. But uh, thank you for sending that because I don't believe that was part of your original Twisted Cinema uh, collection. No, I did it uh, uh, for a competition. I was part of a group of balloon people and we used to set each other competitions and it was a few years ago and I, I think I actually got the quote a bit wrong in on the thing, but it's it's near enough all there, you know. It's, uh... <laughs> um, so does that make it a, if it's only been seen by balloon people, are we getting a, is this a public exclusive that you are giving us by allowing us to post this on Instagram? Uh... I, I don't think it's been Apart from in a private Facebook group, I don't think it's been public anywhere. Amazing. Amazing. And I was just going to say, you know, we've, 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 we've talked a lot about Alan Rickman and we've gone kind of uh, away from that, that initial scene a fair bit. But I do just want to kind of very briefly bring it back to that one minute or less than a minute that we originally talked about. And I just want to ask you kind of one question uh, about that scene, which is, is it the kind of defining Alan Rickman line in all of his films that you've talked about, is, is that the one? Is that why you picked it? Yes, I think it is. I think that out of all the lines that he's ever said, that's the line which for me is Alan Rickman. He, that's, that's him to a T and that's his defining moment in his, in his villainy career. I am inclined to agree. Uh, although had the Sheriff of Nottingham lived and there'd been seven uh, Robin Hood films, I'd like to think that we'd learn that the Sheriff became the hero at the end of those two. Robin Hood, seven, the Deathly Hallows. <laughs> Part two, Robin Hood, thief of thieves. Like, he was the baddie all along. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, well, let's just uh, end by saying thank you very much indeed, Rob, for agreeing to come on yeah, as thanks, our, our second guest, our first kind of online guest. Um, and you brought an absolute brilliant scene that has sent us all down memory lane, <laughs> and particularly in terms of the late, great Alan Rickman. So thank you, Rob, for coming. And thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. I've very much enjoyed it. We hope you have enjoyed the last couple of episodes of My Movie Minute, where we welcomed our first couple of guests. As always, please do follow us on Instagram at My Movie Minute, plus like, subscribe and review the podcast wherever it is that you download it. Next week is the first part of a special double bill, where we'll be dipping into two f- different scenes from the same film. Tune in next week to find out more, and then cancel the kitchen scraps for the lepers and orphans, and no more merciful beheadings, and call off Christmas. Um, I, I like one of my fa- other favourite lines is where Adam Whitman storms in and stabs the table and then Geraldine McCune goes, yep. something vexes me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's brilliant. Okay. That's the end clip. <laughs> <laughs> Something fixes it.